Kentucky Girl, Chapter 2, Part 1 For a little better understanding, it would be good to describe the other members of the party. Betsy and Nancy were both farm girls and used to hard work. Betsy was a buxom girl and could swing an axe with the best of them. She always had a ready smile on her face and could make you happy just by being with her. While Betsy was a strapping young girl, Nancy was the opposite. She was of slight build, slender in the waist, with arms that were small but wiry tough. Her strength was surprising for such a small body. She could outlast many of the men and boys around her. Her golden hair fell below her shoulders, which contrasted with her white teeth flashing when she smiled. Her deep blue eyes beckoned you to come to her. The last several years Nancy spent with her mother caring about those about to birth a child. Her mother was called a midwife. In addition, her mother was adept at using berries, roots, and such to care for the sick. Nancy learned much from her mother. Looking at Bert and Dan, you would immediately know that both were farm boys. Each had that eagerness in the face that said, let me help you. Bert was a barrel-chested young man that said he could pick up a calf and throw it to the ground ready for branding. Both boys were friendly and got along well with everybody. Dan, on the other hand, was a stringy, rangy kind of a guy. Dan also, like Bert, was friendly and likable. He seemed to enjoy just being with you. While he was stringy, yet like Nancy, he was tough as nails. His toe head almost matched that of Nancy. Growing up in Western Virginia, Bert early on showed a solid character. Bert was the third child in his family. His two older siblings were both boys and growing up they were always beating him at any of the sports or games. That is, until he was about 12 or 13 years old. He was developing into a husky lad and could now give a good account of himself in competing with the either brother. All of this physical competition was good-natured, even though each boy worked hard at besting the others. This physical contact developed not only strong muscles, but the ability to shrug off any hurts and bruises. It also strengthened the determination to try harder next time. After school each day, the boys would help Pa with farm work. At Bert, as Bert was approaching 12 years of age, he discovered that he could lift a heavier load than either brother. With this knowledge of his new ability, he would tease the other brothers. This was fun, and he made up for the TC he had been taken in early years. One of his favorite tricks to play on his brothers in order to tease them was this. While playing by himself in the woods, Bert had discovered a creek which had an overhanging rock 
that was partially submerged in the water. He found that if he slammed a big rock on top of this overhanging one, the fish hiding under this rock would rise to the surface because of the concussion. He could then select the larger fish to take home. The other fish would regain conscience and swim away. Bert would then bring these fish home and not tell his brothers where he caught them or how. Of course, the brothers would take their line and poles and go out to fish and beat Bert. They could never catch fish like Bert. This went on for an entire season until his brothers secretly followed him and discovered what he was doing. Then they admitted to Bert that he outfoxed them. Bert discovered at an early age that strength and knowledge gave one power. Bert also excelled at archery. His powerful arm muscles could draw the bow tight while holding it steady and ensuring a repeated ability to consistently hit the target. While Bert was gaining strength physically, he was very close to his mother and father. It was natural that he helped his father on the farm, but he was also close to his mother and enjoyed helping her with her choice about the farm. Bert was well-grounded and growing up to be a solid young man. Finally the day arrived and the trek was started. Backpacks were strapped on and the little caravan started off. Each of the men had their favorite dog with him. Clem, Bert and Dan's dog, did their initial smelling and checking each other out and decided that the other dog was not a mean or a fighting mode, so they allowed the other dog freedom to trot along with his master. The first day went well with Clem breaking trail followed by Rachel, Betsy, and Nancy, with Bert and Dan breaking up the rear. When the time or a feeling of uneasiness suggested it, either Bert or Dan would go to the front to join Clem to face any possible dangers. This leadership position would shift between the three men. With the women, it was always Rachel and her rifle that followed right behind the leader when it was a single man. Otherwise, she followed the women and joined the single man at the rear. Twilight was approaching, and so it was decided to call a halt and set up camp. Everybody was relieved to have their backpacks off their back. And yes, their shoulders and backs and necks were sore, but the excitement of being on the trail and the youth's natural physical nature helped to diminish any real problems of soreness. A general routine with establishing the camp was started, by having the men gather wood for the fire and the women cook whatever was available. For this routine, one man would always be a little out of camp firelight with his rifle and safeguard with the others. The dogs quickly joined their routine of naturally guarding. Since a dog's sense of smell is far better than a man's, they became an integral part of guarding. One dog would be posted on the opposite side of camp from the man with the gun, thus protecting the campsite from two sides. 
It was difficult first to teach the dog that it's his duty to stay there and not join everybody else at the campfire. It was also difficult to teach the dogs what their role was, that one would be on the outside of the campfire and another one would be standing next to the man with a rifle on the other side. They were taught that dogs should not join each other and that some nights they would either be outside the campfire or with a man with a rifle and again on other nights that might switch. They established the routine of the sequence of guards. That is, one man would stay awake and be on guard for one third of the night while the other slept. It was decided that the first shift would be three hours while each of the other two would be two hours. The thought being that the middle of the night was more likely to come to sleep than the first watch. The dogs were to observe the same shift as their masters. The next days were mostly like this day, with the hikers following the trail and keeping their ears and eyes open for any trouble. During the day, the lead man would always keep an eye out for any animal which could be taken for a meal. Wildlife was plentiful, and the main concern was that any loud noise from shooting could alert any hostile around. On the frontier, ammunition was always scarce, so that the men always attempted to use bow and arrow first. They were medium well versed in the art of archery, but not excellent. So that when necessary to bag game, they would resort to using the rifle. Of all this company, Bert was the best with a bow and arrow. He did have quite a bit of difficulty in shooting rabbits, since they would dart left and right so quickly when they felt danger. Retrieving the arrows in a missed shot took time out from their hike, but they judged this to be necessary since errors were so difficult to make. The bow and arrow was not as effective when shooting deer. The deer's sense of smell was very good, and therefore the hunter could only approach the deer from a downwind direction. Hunting in this wise also slowed the party somewhat. However, a take of a successful killing of deer made for many meals, as the venison could be cooked and preserved for future meals. There were many running water streams they crossed, which enabled them to replace their drinking water. So, all in all, the party managed to drink and eat well. In the distance, the Cumberland Mountains appeared to be a very high ridge of white rocks, inaccessible in most places to either man or beast. The appearance forwards a wild and romantic vista, and yet this is the gap toward which our little party was headed. One day, Nancy had great trouble with her stomach. 
She would throw up and generally feel very listless. The party stopped and tried to help her as best they could. She was too weak to continue hiking, so they made a temporary stop. It was decided that Clem and Rachel would continue on to find a better place to make camp. <laughs>